Before we begin, I just wanted to take a moment to address the elephant in the room. Now, it's hard to ignore the negative impact the coronavirus pandemic has had on us all. I, too, have felt it, and I've gotten behind on publishing some episodes. And to those guests, please accept my apologies. I'm working hard to get caught back up and get back on track. But I also want to encourage each of you to find a means of becoming productive during this time of lull. Who knows what you might create? In the meantime, be well. On today's Expert Process Podcast. Even with the best intentions and the best movie and the best plan, everything can change. By the time you take the film to market, the quickest, it's like a year and a half later, within that time period, the entire market can change. That was filmmaking duo Brian and Laurence Avenay Bradley. They are a husband and wife team who have not only found a way to continue to make movies, they have also both pursued a career in film and television. Keep listening to learn their secrets for turning passion into success. This is part two of their two-part interview. Enjoy. Do you know six in 10 businesses will fail within the first five years? First five years. Or 43% of Americans need a side hustle just to make ends meet? Just to make ends meet. Or that it takes 10,000 hours to master any subject? Any subject. Welcome to the Expert Process Podcast, where we cut the time to mastery in half with our seasoned pros. And now, from Atlanta, Georgia, broadcasting worldwide, worldwide. here's your resident expert, Durante Smith. This is the Expert Process Podcast, and I'm your host, Durante Smith. And it's my job to interview some of the most hardworking, highly successful professionals on the planet. This show follows a 12-week online masterclass at theexpertprocess.com, where you'll learn from start to finish what it takes to make it in your industry, as the program is chock full of professional advice, resources, and even industry contacts to help you get to the next level in less than half the time. As you might expect, the masterclass changes from industry to industry every 12 weeks. Now, the podcast is your introduction. The masterclass is the blueprint, and I'm your guide. Now, buckle up and get ready for the ride. You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Airbnb. Now, if you're like me, you like to travel in comfort, style, but also economically when you can. And I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not keen on staying in someone else's home. That is, until I discovered Airbnb. My friend. My very first stay was about six years ago in Santa Monica, California, ironically, during the American film market. I stayed in a beautiful home just 1.26 miles from the beach. And then there was the weekend getaway to Knoxville, which was incredible. Our hosts were top-notch. They made breakfast for us. They made, um, she actually made lunch, which was, I mean, insane. It was a music festival going on. So there was just great live music. Uh, we had dinner on the uh, river there at one of the local establishments, barbecue joints. And it was just a great experience. Then there was uh, Daytona that we got away for, again, for another short trip. It was about four hours down and back. 
And uh, Daytona was just, it was incredible. Great food, great weather. The beach was just beautiful. And it was the great time of year to go. So one other thing, locally here in Atlanta, we have a ton of just awesome Airbnbs. And then there's the the treehouse here, which I hope to go to very soon and take my daughter to. That's here in Atlanta that you can stay in. And it stays booked out, I think, six months out in advance. So that's one you definitely want to put on your list. Now, I'm a believer in crowd sharing and the disruptor industry. And I love, love, love me some Airbnb. So do yourself a favor and try it out. You can use my promo code to save $55 off your first adventure. Just go to bit.ly forward slash expert process Airbnb. Again, that's bit.ly bit.ly forward slash expert process Airbnb for your getaway or staycation today. And now part two of our show. It's, it's a big commitment. So you want to make sure that you're doing something you're really passionate about. Yeah. And you also need to make sure that you know what you're getting yourself into when you, you know, jump in the pool. You're going to have to swim now to the other side of that pool. <laughs> it right. doesn't matter. You have to get there. Uh, and I think a lot of people just sometimes think it's just the making the movie. And then once you finish the movie, then you're magically done. And in reality, it's like, oh, you're, you're just kind of starting that next phase. But you're not done. There's a whole other giant <laughs> right. you know, it's, stuff it's, you have to go through. It's funny you say that because one of the things that I really harp on as a teacher is, guys, it is not about talent. It's about constitution. Yeah. Talent will only get you so far. If you don't have constitution to see it all the way through, I think that's so true of filmmakers because you hear all the – I know you all hear this all the time. I have this great story. That's nice. You know what it's going to take to get that – to how many times you have to make that movie to make that movie? Because you make it in your head, in your hands, when you write it, then you shoot it, then you make it again when you edit it, then you make it again when you post sound. You make it so many times before it's made, and the constitution to work around the clock or whatever you have to do to get there. Same thing with actors, getting to understand that, guys, it's great that you have talent, but can you deal with all the other stuff in order to be able to put your talent out there over and over and over again? You know, it's and it, and I think for artists that is so critical to really self-examine and really consider. Yeah, I think I have the talent. Yeah, I think I have the vision or whatever. But you have the discipline and the constitution to stick with this. As a festival director, I'll share this with you guys, Brian Laurence. It stunned me how often I would accept films in the fall. I'm not going to screen you till April, and I would have to beg filmmakers. Where is where is your where's your DPI? Where is your when are you going to upload this film? I, we screen you in twelve minutes. Come on! Oh God! But the truth is, it's the same thing I was talking about earlier. They just want that laurel. That's the magic phone call for that independent filmmaker. But I got the laurel. Yeah, but you got to deliver. I have butts in the seats. It, it's amazing. I literally had that happen to me that we were 12 minutes before we were supposed to put it on the screen. And my um, projectionist and all are standing there going, wow. we started almost 30 minutes late. It took that long because they're in the Philippines. Wow. Yeah. I have been, I mean, if you 
seeing the list of emails daily. Please send me your film. Are you going to send me your film? Come on, send me your film. It was just crazy. Mm-hmm. So again, you talk about Durante, it all links together, deliverables, mm-hmm. all that stuff, guys. And you don't, they don't understand. I'm like when the short films that I did, I did not do my first festival submission until my entire package was ready. So I knew that if you, if they had called me and said, I need it a day, I could have overnighted everything to them. Partly because I don't want the stress. You know, it's about my own self-preservation too. When you learn that lesson of I can alleviate my own stress by being really well prepared. Then the beauty of that too is on the backside of that. And then they think I'm really great. No, I'm not great. I just don't need the stress. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, and filmmakers don't get that. Well, I'll tell you something. This is interesting to me. Um, I think, Laurence, you said that I believe that was you, but you said that um, when you talk about the markets and you're talking about the distributors and you said that it's easier for them to just go back to the same folks over and over because mm-hmm. they know that the deliverables are going to be packaged in such a way that they don't have all the drama, right? Yeah. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that now because I had tons of offers from distributors. This is even after my goof up, right? after I messed up and didn't hit my deliverables for the bigger players, the much smaller secondary market was the following year. And these are the distributors that they're a little more um, challenging to work with. You know, (laughs) you may not see your money. Okay. (laughs) So, so these are those, and uh, I'm not going to call any names and I'm not any of that, but can you get your film out into the market? Sure. You know, but then when you go to talk to any of their roster, none of these guys have ever gotten paid, you know, right. and for me, I'm like, no, that to me, that makes no sense. I just hold on to my film before I do that, you know, yeah. but what I learned was I'm like, well, how are these guys getting movies out? Like, how are they still getting filmmakers? Well, the reason why is because most of the films that they took in, those filmmakers did not understand the process of deliverables. Right. So then they're basically forcing these guys to hit these deliverable marks. They're cranking their arms or they might just make it themselves. And then they're sticking you with this humongous fee for what you could have done for two or three or five hundred dollars or something. They're charging you ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. And you're not going to make any money on that because by the time they keep sticking you with these fees, you're 50, 60, 70 K in. Well, your film won't make 50, 60, 70 K in five years. You know, so it's like, you know, it's that kind of thing. Or the other thing I learned was what they do and the studios do it, too, is they stick your film in a huge catalog of other films. Right. So Mm -hmm. then when they're at the market, they're showing a catalog of 100, 150, 200 films. Right. These buyers aren't sitting there looking at each and every single film. They're looking them in blocks is really what they do. Right. Blocks of time. Okay. Or categories. Right. Mm -hmm. Or as you say, genres and subgenres. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they'll look at this. They'll make the sale. And then what they do is they say, well, these films are profitable and this vast bucket of other films were not profitable, which then weighs down the overall average. So then there's no money left to pay you because we took a loss. Oh, you didn't. But that's that creative budgeting that they do. You know what I mean? The creative worksheets that they have. And so when we're talking about business, that's what is key to understand is, you know, as you said, you guys put um, one of your films on credit cards again. If you don't ever do that, by the way, yeah. don't ever, ever, ever do that. I, I, think, I think I needed to put a disclaimer right. earlier and I forgot. Don't, don't do that. Yes. Don't right. do that. 
Right. But, then, but what, I'm, what I'm saying in that regard is just if you understand business, right, you mm-hmm. understand that if you do that, you better have a plan. Because as you just said, I mean, now you're paying interest mm-hmm. on the money that you lent yourself to make this film. And that's, you know, that's time intensive because that interest builds quickly. And I know people have done that and lost their shirts. So, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, man, no, no, just saying, just well, don't the, do it. The, the credit card thing, I mean, um, I it's not possible to do it like we did it because they changed the rules. Um, maybe too many people took advantage of the loopholes, yeah, like we did. Um, but, um, yeah, no, it's not, it's not recommended at all no, because no, at no. the end, you're still responsible. And and it's just too much of a burden. I mean, it's it's. I, I think it's yeah. re- I think it's really important, if, especially if no one's. I mean, if you've never done an indie film. Obviously, you should be doing shorts first, so you can learn the craft and learn what you're doing. But when the time comes when you do your first indie film and you're raising money, whether it's your money or someone else's money, I think it's really important to look at it under the guise that just imagine that every dollar you spend is gone. Right. Because even with the best intentions and the best movie and the best plan, everything can change. By the time you take the film to market, the quickest, it's like a year and a half later, within that time period, the entire market can change. So whatever plan you have in place, like, oh, I'm going to take it to this distributor, that distributor may not even exist in a year. Yes. You know, or I'm going to market it. Oh, I'm going to take my movie to, to Netflix, because Netflix has been spending um, some money and in, in buying indie films, and I, I see it there on Netflix. That's great. I'm gonna, I've got a connection. I'm going to take it to Netflix. Well, maybe that year and a half is the year and a half where they switch to House of Cards yep. and basically decide that all they're going to do is original programming now, and they're not going to buy any more indie films, or very few, very few, a fraction of what they used to. Yep. So it's like you, you just don't know how it's going to change. I mean, we've seen – such a colossal change from when we started making our, actually this is our the 20th anniversary of us doing uh, the the horror films together from wow. when we started doing our first film congratulations we've, guys we've seen we've done five in that time period and we've seen the whole market change completely from the beginning of that there was like there wasn't even dvd the beginning of that dvd was a very small market of vhs it was VHS and the foreign territories and everything paid better, but everyone wanted things really to be shot in 35 millimeter film. And everyone really wanted you to have a finished film print, which is very expensive. So that was bad. Right. So there was the yin and yang of it. And then you saw the DVD come and there was a time period where DVD was really strong and video stores existed. Right. Right. <laughs> That was so good because your your film would be sitting on a shelf under new releases right next to a Tom Cruise movie. Yeah, there was your movie in alphabetical order where people would go into video stores and they would browse and hey, that looks like an interesting title and cover. I'll pick up that box. Right back. Oh, I like the synopsis. Well, that's really interesting. You know what? I think I'll put down four bucks and check this movie out. That's what people used to do. This is like a foreign concept today. I mean, it would never happen. I mean, now we'd be like, I've never heard of that movie. I'm probably not even going to rent it. Or, oh, I've heard about it. Let me look it up. Oh, it has pretty good reviews. I think I'll wait where I can get it for free on Amazon Prime. You know, I mean, that's what would happen now. But back then, someone actually might want to give the movie a chance and check it out. 
You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors. Recently, I read an article about student enrollment in traditional colleges is way down and online course enrollment is through the roof. With podcasts like this, you not only get free developmental information, you also get access to resources you wouldn't have otherwise. But if you really want to take your film game to the next level, you should consider taking my online masterclass. It's 42 online video modules for more than 50 hours of self-study complete with a full suite of resources. It's also live coaching and instruction from me and other industry professionals. People say, but Durante, why are you doing this? And I tell them, it's just my way of giving back. So if you're serious about wanting to level up your film game, register for the free informational webinar today at theexpertprocess.com. Again, if you want to write a script, make a movie, sell a movie, or just learn how to get into the industry, this webinar is for you. I want to keep the groups fairly small. So sign up today because space is truly limited. Go to theexpertprocess.com and register today. Now on to the show. And then the video stores went away. The DVD market practically collapsed almost entirely with the exception of Redbox. Uh, Blu-ray is a very niche market. Never replaced what DVD used to be. Very niche. Uh, great. Blu-rays are awesome. But in terms of like, People going out and buying Blu-rays, you're talking about a very small percentage of people. So now you're left with streaming and VOD. Well, because of streaming and VOD and people making more digital films and it being cheaper to make films, the market got more glutted. People got used to it. What happened to the music industry is basically what's happened to film Yep. in the past five years. And books. People got, people got in the habit of no yep. longer paying for music. Yep. You would buy a subscription service yep. to listen to music. But people, you know, initially people would buy iTunes music. You'd buy your song. Mm -hmm. And they were complaining like, oh, my God, they're selling the song for a dollar a pop. They wish they could sell a song for a dollar a pop. I mean, they, they wish they had that back. Well, the same thing is basically happening with movies. People have gotten in the habit that movies are, in quote, in their brain free. Because they don't think about the fact they're paying a subscription fee Right. For Netflix or or you know Amazon or or any of the Hulu, they don't think of it like that. They basically in their brain, I can go see these movies and check anything I want, and it's free. With that kind of mentality, and people are used to that, it's very hard to make them go, "Hey, why don't you check out this movie that's an indie film that you really haven't heard of?" And hey, it's played these festivals, it's got good reviews, people really like it. But are you going to pay three fifty? To watch it right and the reality well, first is can they, how do they know about it oh well, yeah first of all how do you even know about it that's one of the big problems because now yes. yeah it, it's like that that surface space that's on itunes and stuff that's coveted space yep and in the big in the big the big boys the big players they get their they get the big spots they're on the front page of itunes they're on the front page of google play or, or netflix because they control their own shop they Put in your face what they want you to watch. Mm, they yeah. go, look, people it's real estate. Yeah, it's marketing real estate. And they're like, whoever, whoever can afford the, the the fanciest house is the one that's going to get seen. Exactly, and yeah. you know, like Netflix is so funny because Netflix counts you of having watched something if you've seen uh, two minutes, which is ridiculous. And they're like, oh look, look at all our successful movies and shows we're making because people are watching two minutes of it. 
And of course they're watching two minutes of it because it's on your front page of Netflix. You're forcing it down their throat. So almost, and there's auto playing. So almost right. everyone is like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll check this out for two minutes. <laughs> right. I don't, I don't know how that model is working. I really don't. The amount of money they're spending and what they're bringing in, it's like, how is this really... I keep wondering how Netflix is really doing what they're doing. Well, they're expanding the market. At the end of the day. That's, that's one thing. They're expanding the they market. They are, but the still, I mean, if you look at their numbers, it's like you're still spending a ton more money than seemingly you're bringing in on paper. Right, right yeah, now. I mean, Netflix, it's, it's kind of yeah. crazy. Netflix is not making money right now. No. That's the weirdest, they're, strangest thing. Any, any other business model. But, you know, they, they're somehow falling into that realm of being a disruptor or being a tech right. company. That's right. And, and because they're being seen in that vein. But look at it this way. Like, same with Amazon, really. You spend, a, they're spending like millions and millions and millions of dollars doing very high production value content. Yeah. The kind of content that normally you would only have seen in a movie theater. Yeah. Like five or 10 years ago. I mean, that's the level of, they're spending like two to $5 million an hour. And up. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, so they're putting it out there because they're building, they're expanding their base, they're, they're growing, but they're not making any money from it. So think of it this way. Let's say you're a mom and pop grocery store and you have to, you have to buy your milk from the farmer or, or you're your own farmer and you make the milk and you have to put your milk on the shelf and you have to sell that milk so you can make money so you can make more milk. So you have to sell it for a profit. Well, they're like a giant supermarket that doesn't have to make it, that doesn't have, they can sell their milk and lose money. So they're like stocking their shelves with milk, selling it for less than they make it for. So how do you compete with that? Right. And that's the cha- that to me is the fundamental challenge of indie filmmaking today. How do you compete with that? How do you compete with people spending millions of dollars to make product and they're putting it out there as a loss? When you're trying to make product that you need to at least be able to make your money back so you can pay people so you can finance your next project. You're almost operating on a completely different uh, scale. Let me say this. I think this is very important because I don't want to monopolize you guys' time, but um, I think this is very important to drive home. I think what all you guys are saying is spot on. And there's one thing to me that is the elephant in the room that I don't think we have adequately touched on, which is... That you guys, um, again, you have had success above and beyond a lot of us that are, are really, you know, trying to have a career in this whole film industry, this film thing. But here's the, the funniest thing of it to me. When I hear Greg talk about how he met you guys here in Atlanta and you guys connected and he gained a lot of his knowledge and whatnot from you, he credits you guys a lot, to be honest with you. And I can oh, appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, but the other side of that is, right? And then you guys talking about how long you've been in the industry and going back to VHS and those days, right? Here's the thing that's overlooked. And I, I'm not really certain if you guys fully appreciate that, right? Which is when I'm doing these coaching sessions with these students, these new students, these folks that are um, you know, trying to expand their careers or trying to get into the industry or whatever that might be, right? The very first thing I always try to help them understand is what is your purpose and what is your drive? In other words, what 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 is it that you're trying to seek in this industry? What are you trying to get out of it, right? Is it just to make a film or is it actually more something more, um, more longevity, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what I hear from you guys is it wasn't just to make a film. It's that 
you have been able to concrete that longevity with actually creating um, a lane or an opportunity for yourselves within the industry, right? And so that's what I would like for you guys to speak to as we wrap up, which is I hear, uh, Laurence, you say that you became a camera operator, but you also went and got other skills as a jib operator, right? Um, you know, uh, or uh, Brian, you said that, you know, you became a editor, you know, mm-hmm. and that may or may not necessarily have been your skill set at first, but that's kind of what I'd like for you guys to speak to because I want folks to understand that just because you're a quote unquote filmmaker does not necessarily mean that you're just a producer because you can do so many other things right. while you're still trying to get your film career off, while you're trying to get that movie made, because your first movie, as you guys have clearly you know laid out, your first movie may not be the one that's the successful thing for you. You know, you may have to make two or three or four or five films before you become a Tarantino or a Rodriguez or, you know, whomever. Right. It may take Mm -hmm. a while and you may not get to that fourth, second or third or fourth film until 10 years from now. You know, that's very realistic. You know, it took me six years to get to to my spot with uh, (laughs) my first film. You know, so I'm just saying, like, I want to help people understand that, hey, look, it's more to it than just being a filmmaker. You know, if you want to have longevity, if you want to be able to have a career, you want to be able to make money, you know, have a house note and, and a car note and, you know, you're not driving a Pinto, then, hey, look, this is the way to do it. But you guys can speak to that because you found a means of being successful in making what you call that work-life balance. So if you would, as we wrap up. Um, I mean, there's a few things that I'd, I'd like to touch upon. One is it's important to stay in the business because not just because you're going to work on another project or whatever. It's just you meet interesting people who are in there with you, like, like you are. Yes. So like you may meet some wonderful actors that you're like, wow, you would have never met them before. You may meet a PA, a production assistant, sure. who's yeah. like, wow, this, this person is super amazing. You know, what, what is this person going to do later? Or maybe they're going to see you and say, wow, they're really cool and I like how they work. And, Maybe I want to be involved in a movie with them. You know, you just don't know. I feel like it's important to stay in the business. And you can start as low, you know, and as low as being the, the first really position is like being a production assistant. Mm. But like in LA, if you're a production assistant, you can move up very rapidly. You, as long as you always show that you have passion for what you're doing, even if it's a, it's a so-so type job, right? But... You're all in here for the same reasons, so you still have to be passionate about why you're there. Sure. And then um, the other thing that I feel like is a great, touching back on the distribution for those new people who are coming in the business, I feel like the difficulty of today's distribution, which is really, really difficult, is the time now for indie filmmakers to brainstorm and come together and find a way to be, not beat, but be above those big players. And that's the time to think outside the box. And filmmakers need to really, really think together to try to find a way. The big players have slowly encroached on indie filmmaking. Sure. Starting, they've taken over. I mean, they're Mm. really, first they took the word, indie filmmaking right. when they're making millions of dollars of movie, you know, movies right. and the millions of dollars. 
actors. With big name actors. With big, big name actors, which now has also gone into, they've encroached the festivals. Mm -hmm. Right. Now the festivals are bringing out huge movies, which festivals were a way for indie filmmakers to show what you could do when you were unknown and you could be discovered. Hey, look at my, what, look what I can do. I can tell you a story. I can, I can give you some entertainment. So I feel like nowadays is the time to really think outside the box, find right. a way. How can you beat those big players? How can indie filmmakers show their work and be strong together? And I feel like this is really the time right now to, to do that because right. distribution has had its worst. You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors. A quick reminder, if you haven't signed up for the free webinar yet, pause what you're doing, open a new window on your phone or computer, go to theexpertprocess.com and join now. You can thank me later. Now, back to the show. You know, I think the, the thing that, that's tricky is that those big players really took indie film and made it a brand yes. Yes. is what they did. And then they sell it to the audience as that thing because it had such cachet. Yes. It was such a chic thing at the time. Yes. So I think indie filmmakers need to realize that, that what they are, they're a machine that that's what they do. They're always looking for the next thing they can brand. And I think indie filmmakers forget that you got to have a brand. You have a strong brand. You got to be consistent with that. You got to keep it out in the marketplace. You know, one of the things that, in speaking to kind of what you all said about relationships, Ronta, you mentioned it about, you know, delivering on that in, and staying in the industry. I'm always intrigued by my friends who say, you know, I just can't meet anybody. I'm trying to date. Da, 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 da. Well, what a kind of person would you like to meet? Someone smart, someone funny. Cool. Well, where are you hanging out? McDonald's. <laughs> Why don't you try a library? <laughs> Why don't you go someplace where smart people are? Are you if saying that's there's what no you smart, say you want? There's no smart right. people at McDonald's. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, I'm saying if you want somebody who loves books and reading, they're probably not at McDonald's. They're at Barnes and Noble. They're at the library. They're at some book signing. There, go right. to the places where the thing is happening that you want to do. Therefore, if you want to be a filmmaker, you need to stay a foot in the door of where filmmakers are. That's right. I tell actors all the time. I love the ones my, my college because I'm like, you think you're going to graduate college and go, I'm done with school. Do you know where work? Do you know where the working actors are in class? Because that's where you network because sure. the successful people know I've done two films where it was a, a filmmaker who didn't say a word to any of us. And then almost at the end of the class in Los Angeles came to me and said, it's just a little short film, but I, I really liked your work in class. Would you consider doing this? Mm. And they were great parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You just yeah. don't know, but you, the, the thing you have to know is if you want that thing, you have to put yourself in that place where it's happening yeah. somehow. And even the smallest thing, I, there was a great interview, and I'll, this is the last thing I'll add to this, but there was a great interview recently I saw with Anthony Hopkins. They asked him, what's the one piece of advice you give to yourself or to, to uh, artists coming up? And he said, play the long game. It took me decades to understand that I had not played the long game. I just wanted the next part, the next part, the next part, the next part. And to that, I would say, when you're bringing on actors, this frustrates me as someone who trains actors, somebody who is an actor, 
And when I've made my films and those actors are all excited and I'm like, in this day and age, I need your platforms. I need you to stay excited and invested in this project. And those actors will then come back to me sometimes and go, hey, well, the film didn't do that well. Hey, well, you didn't help. Yes. Oh, my God. You didn't help. (laughs) You didn't follow through. And you know what? The degree of success you got off my film matches what you put in. Yep. We are all a team, and you have to stay in it till that ball is over that line, yep. Yep. or yep. none of us scores. That's it. Yep. And it frustrates me with actors that they ride on this wave of, oh, my God, I got a part. That's nice. But you're also telling everybody, hey, if this film does well, I'll well, then you got to help that film do well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Amen, yeah. brother. Amen. It's yes. hard to say. <laughs> well, and, yeah. and, and, and to emphasize, we're not – I mean – Grace coming out from the acting perspective, of course, but th- that's everybody. Yes. That's yes. everyone involved in the movie, all yes. the departments, everybody. It's it's like, and that's what we try to do when we do one of our movies is we try really hard, and, and Greg knows this from the two movies we got to do with Greg, you know, we try to involve everybody in the movie. So it's not like you're not just, just doing your one little thing. You're also involved in the rest of it. You, you know what's going on. You're a part of this creative process. Right, right. In terms of making, you know, the film and going and wrapping up, going to what Lowe said, is like yes, it it is very challenging right now in trying to figure out how it works in terms of especially distribution with indie film because the the landscape's constantly changing. I mean, even the big studios are trying to figure it out to a certain extent. Uh, it's just that they're playing on a different level, so they can afford to make a lot of mistakes because they have other all these other ancillary revenue streams, but it, it is changing dramatically and it's very difficult to kind of understand where it, where it's shifting. So at least at the very least, I think it's just, you have to have an understanding that that's the way it is. Mm. So at least, you know, going in, at least you're aware of it to that degree. It used to be in the past. It was a big deal to get distribution. Getting distribution was the big thing. Like I got a distributor. I got distribution. But now it's like, it's not really about the, it's ironic too. It's yeah. not really about the distribution anymore. Yeah. It's about getting good distribution. Right. It's about getting a, yes. distri- a distribution yes. that's somehow going to rise you above all those movies that are being dumped on all those platforms. Right. They're just being dumped on them. There's like, so many. So how do you, how do people know your film is there? Like, how do you get people engaged, whether it be doing the festival circuit run, whether it be marketing, whether it be like Greg was saying, like, even if they're not named actors, maybe they're actors who have a, you know, a good Twitter feed or Instagram, or, yeah. or maybe they, they have a following in something else that they do. Yep. You know, maybe they're a musician, you know, and they have their, their own musician group uh, yep. of followers from, from their band. Yeah. Even though, hey, they're, they haven't really acted a lot, but they have all those followers. Sure. You know, it's like something they can reach out to. It's like trying to figure out, like, what are the pieces you can put together to get a good distribution? Because the reality is distribution, especially in the United States, is really bad. Not in terms of getting it, not in terms of getting the distribution, but getting a good distribution where a distributor will actually pay any money to promote and market the movie. is right. extraordinarily difficult So it now. can be seen. Probably more right. difficult now than ever yeah. right. uh, in terms of getting that level of distribution and that's what you want and also the understanding of foreign markets because we've seen it 
And, it, and, and it, sadly, it's like, yes, having a great movie helps. Having a really good movie and good quality movie definitely helps. But the understanding that the foreign markets do not pay what they used to pay right. per territory, per country. Right. They right. pay a fraction of what they used to pay. And right. that's all a part of what we've been discussing this whole conversation. It's all part of VOD and streaming and internet. People having high quality choices they can watch at home that feels free to them. Sure. Their subscription services. Piracy is also a part of that. Glut. There's a glut that there's so many movies out there, which you don't know it's a bad movie until you start watching it. You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors. I want to share something with you guys. Most of you probably don't know I'm a single parent of a beautiful seven-year-old little girl. I won't go into details about really any of that because it's not relevant. But as a single parent, a single dad with a vision to mold his daughter's outlook, I sat her down and we discussed how she could build her own brand, develop her own TV shows as really it's a new day. She can do what she wants to do. So we just released our first few pieces of her apparel brand, Madison Lauren, and we're launching her YouTube channel next week. You do realize you can play YouTube through your television set, through your smart TV app, Roku, or really any other set-top device now, right? So, in an effort to support my seven-year-old aspiring model, aspiring filmmaker, aspiring chef, and aspiring climate activist, I ask you to follow her at Madison Lauren Apparel and Accessories on Facebook or visit her website for great gift ideas at Thrifty Lil Diva. That's T-H-R-I-F-T-Y-L-I-L-D-I-V-A dot me. So again, that's Madison Lauren Apparel and Accessories on Facebook or Thrifty Lil Diva. That's T-H-R-I-F-T-Y-L-I-L-D-I-V-A dot me. Thrifty Lil Diva dot me. Okay, Madison, what's your motto? We love you just the way you are. (laughs) They grow up so fast. Oh, daddy. (laughs) Now back to the show. You know, back in the day, I mean, and again, I kind of learned this from you guys watching what you were doing is that to a degree, distribution used to equal visibility in certain ways. And I think people haven't, I think filmmakers have to realize that no longer, these are not equals anymore. Distribution no longer equals visibility. It doesn't. And indie filmmakers need the visibility. That's why right. the festivals came about. And, and it used to be, too, that that was sort of a respite. You know, I get distribution, and now they can take the ball and run it. No, you yeah. have to keep running your own ball down the field. Right. They're yeah. just a platform for you to shovel all those people toward in hope that they will watch your movie. But you still have to keep pushing people to that platform, whereas before it was like, oh, phew, great, it's out there. People are – no, it doesn't work that way at all anymore. It's so true. It's really sad. And, and, it's, and it's that, and I think it's, it's either that or what you just said or figuring out how to position your movie, playing the game right so you can position your movie in, in bigger festivals. It's very hard try to make somehow the movie get a level of awareness where you can pick up that higher level of distributor, the higher level of distributor yeah. who will spend some money and effort and energy in marketing your indie film. And there aren't many, but there are a few, but believe yeah. me, everyone's trying to get those. Yeah. And there aren't that many slots. So it's like, you know, how do you position your movie to try to get that? And of course that changes on a movie by movie basis. 
There's no secret formula. Yeah, there's no formula. There's no, well, there's no one way. That's the yeah. thing. Everything we've been talking about, I think, is very important that everyone's journey is going to be different. That's right. And there, there's, not one, there's not one answer. You know, some person may be lucky and get that magic lottery ticket and get discovered because they lucked out and got some that one festival slot that's not being reserved for a $15 million indie movie from Hollywood. You know, may, you know maybe there's someone who can still get that. But maybe someone else is going to be, like you said, it's going to be their fourth or fifth movie, which somehow maybe they just made a good movie, but it happens to be a topic which breaks at the right time, which once again, no way to predict that, uh, which enables it to get more exposure and be seen. You know, it's just, it, I think it's always going to be a different journey for every filmmaker and, and, and every film. The good news with all this is there is a chance for even people who are starting, there's a chance that things can work out awesome. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to say this in closing is that I commend you guys because you have found a way to be successful. You know, you found a way to realize your dreams and work in this industry and continue to work in the industry and also continue to make movies because that's the thing. You know, it's not just making your first movie and you get over that hurdle. It's how do you continue to do it? You know, how do you continue to um, pursue your aspirations? And then who knows? I mean, you know, uh, a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, who knows, you might have that, uh, that film that, that gets an Emmy or that gets an Indie Spirit Award or gets qualified as an Oscar. Who knows? I mean, you know, that's a very real thing now, you know. But I'll say this in closing. First off, again, congratulations to you guys for all the success that you guys have had. Um, I think you can uh, certainly are a true uh, benefit to the community. And I think that you are also a light in a sea of darkness for those of us that are trying to get to that next level. And that's why I really enjoy having this platform to be able to bring folks like yourselves on and that can help share and give some insight as to what you can do and how to get to that next level. Um, the second thing is what I like for you guys to do, if you can share with us where you would like us to go to check out your films, to check out your work and what you have coming up or what you're doing currently, you know, whatever it is that you want us to know. But um, I would certainly like to give some light to what you guys have and how to support you. Well, I think that the easiest way to do it uh, right now is uh, our last movie, which is just out on VOD uh, around the world. It's just coming out in Blu-ray at the end of this month, the United States. It's called Echoes of Fear. And the website is exactly that, echoesoffear.com. Okay. And so people can contact us there too. You'll see, we can yeah. answer people's questions too. We're pretty open. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, that, that'll give you the information about what the film's done and where you, can, where you can get the film, both on VOD and Blu-ray. We're actually really excited. I mean, we took the time to get the right Blu-ray release. We're very excited about it coming out now, even though it's like three months after the VOD uh, we're very excited about it because we have a Blu-ray coming out, which has 80 minutes of special exclusive features on it. Oh, wow. Including a 55-minute behind-the-scenes documentary called Echoes in the Dark, which brings back actors and crew members and stuff discussing the real experiences which inspired the movie actually shooting at the actual location where we shot the movie. And so it's an amazing extra um, Great way to see the movie because you'll get to see a lot of what went in to make the movie. Sure. We also have uh, a special bio thing on, on Low that's on there. And we have three different festival Q&As that we've edited together. 
So you can get the experience of like, can't ask your question, but you can get the experience of like, well, these are the main questions that were asked, you know, during our festival run, uh, which we, I mean, it won seven best horror feature awards. It played over 16 festivals uh, around the world and it got really good reviews. And um, if you like a good, you know, horror film, a good supernatural haunting ghost story, which turns into something else in the third act without spoiling it. I mean, I think people will really enjoy seeing it. So I think that's a great way to start. Yeah. And then, you know, Greg, he was the co-lead in a movie we're also very proud of, our, our third feature we did, which we shot, you know, in Atlanta and posted in LA called Dark Remains. And that is available right now. It's on Amazon Prime. So if you have a Prime account, you can check it out on Amazon Prime. So it's right there. It's in HD. So, yeah. you know, it's a great way to check out that movie as well. Uh, awesome. But I would start with Echoes of Fear, and then if you like it, you know, kind of go through the, our back catalog. Of it. If we have uh, some yeah. listeners that have money and that want to uh, that want to throw some money your way, how should they reach you on social? Well, I mean, social <laughs> uh, media, they can reach us on, uh, I mean, Echoes of Fear, you'll find our email address you can use Okay. Uh, on, on the Echoes of Fear site. I mean, we're the only two Avenue Bradleys on the planet. Okay. So if you look us up on uh, Facebook or anything, it's going to be either Lo and I that come up. We're it. Okay. So there, are, there are there are no other ones. So. Uh, and for people listening, Lo is Laurence's nickname. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Lo, Lo. So yes, the first time I heard it, I was like, Lo, what? Huh? <laughs> Versus hi. Brian's like, no, that's Laurence's nickname. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, guys, thank you so much. We, I've really enjoyed this, and Greg, I really appreciate you coming on as a co-host for me this time and the introduction. I wish you guys continued success and the best with your careers. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. Thank Thank you you all. Thank you so much for having us. We had a blast. It was great. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. A special thank you to my guests, Bryant and Laurence Avenay Bradley. You can learn more about their latest release, Echoes of Fear, and their Blu-ray signing, which is scheduled to take place May the 16th. And you can find it at the link in the episode description in the podcast. And a special thank you to you, my listener, for following along with us at the Expert Process Podcast. Please bear with us as we continue to grow and fine-tune the podcast. In the meantime, feel free to reach out with any suggestions, show ideas, or guest referrals. You can email me at smith.durante at gmail.com. Again, that's smith.durante, D-E-R-O-N-T-E at gmail.com. And as always, love, peace, and fish grease. And I'm out. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. For only the best show notes, links, classes, and more, go to theexpertprocess.com or follow us on Facebook at The Expert Process or hit us up on Instagram at The Expert Process. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share.